Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Kim Seaver. I'll be your moderator today. I'd like to welcome you out to our SACPA session. Just a reminder for everybody to turn off their cell phones and any other electronic devices that make noise. This, I'd just uh, like to also let you know that this session is being recorded. Please uh, ensure that you put $10 in your baskets to pay for the cost of, their, of our food and ensure someone from your table is responsible for making sure there's adequate number, uh, adequate amount of money in each basket. SACPA is a volunteer nonprofit organization and relies on the contributions of its members and session attendees to continue its work. We'd like to thank the University of Lethbridge for its continuing support, including the distribution of our notices for our sessions, including today's session, as well as thank you to Country Kitchen Catering for preparing this lunch. The outline for our meeting will be about 25 to 30 minutes for this presentation, as well as the same amount of time for lunch and then a question and answer period after following. Just to let you know of our next two sessions, there is a session this evening at the Lethbridge Public Library at 7 o'clock <laughs> entitled Did, Be Beethoven Reve Did Beethoven's Revolutionary Eroica Symphony Change the World? Also next week's session on Thursday afternoon is Gil McGowan, Labor Issues in Alberta. So without any further ado, I'm just going to turn the time over to uh, Wade Galloway, who's going to be discussing our, our session today. So, will everybody welcome Wade Galloway with a round of applause. Thank you, Kim. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for coming. Is now the right time to build a new skateboard park? The answer is no. The right time was last year, or 2007, or 2003, or 2001. The second best time is today. Skateboarding arrived in the early 1950s and has continued to grow in popularity, so much so that it recently surpassed baseball in terms of user participation in the United States. Yes, the national pastime of America is now less popular than something that many people continue to refer to as a fad. Here at home in Lethbridge, the story is very much the same. Despite a lack of adequate and suitable Facilities, the sport is enjoyed by one in ten households. While lacrosse might be the Canada's official sport, hockey is without question the sport that we embrace as a nation. Henderson has scored for Canada. Sidney Crosby, the golden goal. We still love to watch them, but you might be surprised to learn that participation in hockey and other team sports is in decline. In the city of Lethbridge, only 15% of the population plays the sport. Rising costs and a change in interest are undoubtedly contributing factors. Compare this to skateboarding, where two feet, a heartbeat, and a couple hundred dollars is all you need. It is a sport that spans the socioeconomic spectrum. The first skateboard park was built in Canada in the 1978 by the District of North Vancouver. It takes progressive thinking and courage to be a pioneer. 30-plus years later, and the greater Vancouver area is home to many world-class facilities. Lethbridge's current and only skateboard facility was built in 1999. While it didn't boldly go where no man had gone before, it did largely head into an uncharted realm. I believe it's important that we understand our history before we attempt to contemplate our future. 
In July of 1995, the Herald had an article about downtown merchants wanting skateboarders kept in line. One of the members of the police bike patrol was quoted as saying, basically, these kids are good kids. They just don't have a place to go. City solicitor Doug Hudson wasn't quite as welcoming, though. He claimed skateboarders didn't like the structure and rules that came with an organized facility and went on to say that the city could no longer invest time or money for skateboarders who needed a place to call home. A couple of teenagers quoted in the same article went on the record to say that a new park would keep them off the streets and out of the proverbial hair of the downtown merchants. Now, skateboarding is largely a sport of the young. It is not an organized activity. There are no weekly practices, no games, or no tournaments. The transitory nature of the demographic means that there's a continual turnover amongst users. Without a regular, structured environment where the parents of skateboarders might meet to plan and discuss, the result is a sport which is inherently difficult to effectively organize. The users knew a new facility was needed. The downtown businesses wanted the skateboarders off the streets, but the city was generally opposed to spending any money to solve the problem. A few years later, after a local merchant took the matter before council, a steering committee was created with representation from stakeholders. The desire was to keep the park central but isolated, to avoid the problems that had plagued downtown. Land availability was an issue, but the committee did look at Nicholas Sharon, the Galt Gardens, the Old Landfill, and a few others including Dave Elton Park. Funding from the city started at 20000 with 30000 more added before eventually totaling $90,000. $125,000 came from the Community Facility Enhancement Program, or CFEP. Another $125,000 for the project came from an anonymous donor. This critical piece of funding arrived by the way of a connections of a very driven individual. His motivation was to provide a facility for youth who weren't involved in team sports, something he had never played himself. Some of you might not know George Hall, but we all owe him a debt of gratitude for his relentless pursuit of the money for the facility. Other funding for the park included $50,000 from the Community Lottery Board, $7,000 from the Kiwanis Clubs, for a total of $400,000 for the construction of the park itself. Approximately $100,000 more money would come later, much of it in kind, from local businesses, individuals, and the city for surrounding landscaping and infrastructure. While local input from the community was taken into account, the architects did not have much experience to draw upon. It's one thing to give someone what they ask for, but it's quite another to have the experience to know that what they're asking for is not going to work. It might be a simple adjustment to take someone's input and make it workable, but that only comes from building a lot of parks, something most firms at the time did not have. Participating in an activity does not correlate with a full and complete understanding of its nuances. Being able to read a novel does not implicitly make you able to write one. Being a golfer does not make you a golf course designer. The same holds true for skateboarding. Just because you ride one, it doesn't always mean that you can design a proper skateboard park. It could inspire you to become a designer, though. I'd like to pass along a quick congratulations to Sam Richards. Stand up, Sam. 
Sam credits his building skateboard ramps as a youth, as a moment when he realized that he likes to design things. It was the beginning of a long and arduous educational path that includes a master's in engineering, and as of just a few days ago, the long-awaited professional engineer designation. Congratulations, Sam. Don't let his business attire fool you, though. Sam has continued to skateboard. He is but one of many around the world. They are the people all around us, the doctors, the plumbers, the engineers, people trying to make ends meet. The list goes on and on. When the workday is over and they head out for some recreation, they are all skateboarders. <clears throat> the park was tendered and awarded to the lowest bidder who had never actually built a park before. Site visitation reports showed many issues popped up during the construction due to the inexperience of both the designer and the contractor. I applaud the efforts of those involved. They had the best intentions and did the best that they could with what they were given. I can only hope that when it comes to new skateboard parks that we heed the lessons of the past. It didn't take long for vandalism to hit the park and the surrounding areas. The media often reported on it. While they reported the facts, unknown vandals target skateboard park, the media often heard, skateboarders are vandals. The truth, of course, is that sometimes the latter was indeed true, but quite often, especially when it came to the graffiti, the skateboarders were not the culprits. The city originally decided to permit graffiti on the surfaces of the park to provide an outlet for those artists. While this is an admirable goal, it did have some unintended consequences. Namely, it caused the secluded area to appear even less safe. The broken window theory, made popular by author Malcolm Gladwell, suggests that it is the little things that make an area, that contribute to the perception of an area. It sends a message that this area is not looked after, it's not important. Sure, it's just graffiti, but the subconscious message is simply that you can do bad things here and society doesn't care. Otherwise, they would clean it up. Stop and think about that from a user standpoint for a second. If this is your skateboard park, what message does its location and its condition send to you? Whether you agree with Gladwell and, his, and the theory or not, I'm sure you can agree that a secluded area is not someplace that many parents would feel comfortable leaving their children. With no amenities in the area, it's not a stretch to imagine many parents saying no to their children's request to go to the skateboard park. The history of skateboard parks in Lethbridge doesn't end there, though. In 2001, an 11-year-old and a 12-year-old pair of skateboarders appeared before council, alone. The kids wrote in their letter, Sometimes it is very difficult to get to the skate park on the north side. We were wondering if you could make a skate park on the west side so it wouldn't be so hard to get there. It's important to remember that these are children, not even teenagers yet. The Herald reported that several aldermen challenged the boys to seek support in the community and to be prepared to help raise money to cover the costs. Council passed a motion thanking the children and requesting that administration repair a report. Five months later, administration was back. It was unceremoniously recorded in the minutes as information to be received and filed and further to be removed from the report of unfinished business. The Herald ran the headline, West Side Skate Park Not in Council's Plans. 
and went on to report that no action would be taken unless an alderman raised it as an issue during the fall discussions on the 2002 operating budget. No elected official or administration member made a priority, and the issue went away. In June of 2003, the Herald reported on an open house about a new skateboard park for the west side. More than 100 people attended a public meeting, and the city's park manager at the time told the Herald that 75 comment sheets were submitted. Locations and drawings were presented to the public. The group behind the proposal was raising funds, and hope sprang eternal once again. The Herald ran the eulogy in May of 2004. In short, don't hold your breath. The parks manager trotted out the old standby that no funds were available and further suggested that interest in the project had waned. After having their hearts broken, it's easy to imagine how apathy took a hold once again. In 2007, the city, with the assistance of an expensive consultant, produced a recreation and culture master plan. It ranked the skateboard facility as the worst amongst all facilities in the city. It even went on to caution readers that, quote, some sectors of the community which might be less mobilized and have not developed necessary support networks have not been able to build the recreation and cultural facilities that they perceive are necessary for the community. It also spelled out admirable goals, calling for the consideration of inclusive accessibility, low-income families and children, and youth. It noted that 14% of the population was between the ages of 10 and 19. Now, how anyone read this report and decided to spend $33.7 million on the NMAX Center renovations is a mystery at best. At worst, it's incompetence. Or perhaps the needs of the citizens, as reported, didn't align with the pet projects of the day, and those in power simply chose to ignore them. The Lethbridge Skateboard Association, or LSA, was formed in March of 2009. In May of that year, it organized a cleanup at the existing skateboard park and invited a member of council to attend. Alderman Ward came out, the Herald covered the event, and the skateboard community was once again on its way to new skateboard facilities. Momentum built, and things seemed to be progressing nicely. The crescendo quickly peaked in August, however, when LSA President Peter Berry attended a meeting with several high-ranking administrators from the city and a representative of a specialized skate park construction company. The general sentiment of that meeting was that there was no reason a new park couldn't be in the ground within a year. Feeling that progress had been made and that the city was proceeding in good faith, there wasn't an immediate follow-up by the LSA. As days turned to weeks and weeks turned to months, concern grew. Emails and voicemails to the city went unanswered. As spring drew near, the calendar showed that a full six months had passed, and sadly, when communication was reestablished, the process did not pick up where it had left off. Administration's tone was different. And by early June, only one meeting had occurred and nothing productive had come from it. The capital improvement plan happened parallel to all of this and no one from administration brought it forward. The CIP passed without any funding or even a discussion of funding for a project that only months earlier administration had so enthusiastically embraced. 
Despite a lot of time and dedication, Peter, the LSA, and the skateboard community found themselves back at square one. It was deja vu all over again. It was at this time that I was drawn out of the shadows. Having grown up the son of a Reeve who took a run at federal politics, I felt I could bring some valuable experience and insight to the push for new parks. The bottom-up approach had failed, so there was only one place to go, right to the top. Numero uno, the head honcho. No, not the city manager, not council, and no, not even his worship. It was time to speak to the citizens. It was time to make this an election issue. I spent two full weeks researching everything I could get my hands on about the history of skateboard parks in Lethbridge. I read 200-page consultant reports, scoured 300-page budget documents, and generally ate, slept, and thought about nothing other than skateboarding. Somewhat ironically, at no point during this process did I actually go skateboarding. (laughs) My son did, though. He and his friend from a couple doors down loved to go to the Black Road. Don't worry if you don't know what a Black Road is. I didn't know either. It turns out that to a couple of eight-year-olds... A uh, black road is simply a new new pavement. It's uh, perfectly smooth, and uh, my son told me, it's awesome, Dad, you have to come see it. Yeah, Dad's kind of busy right now reading a phone book-sized budget document. What's a phone book, Dad? <laughs> Kids have a way of making you feel old. They can also provide valuable insight, and it's important to look at things through their eyes. You may have already noticed that some of the slides weren't drawn by an adult today. American data reports that 85% of skateboarders are under the age of 18. It's important that we consider this from their perspectives. The city's own documentation provided all the information I needed. The numbers were compelling. I couldn't believe that skateboarding had been passed over so readily, so easily and indeed so repeatedly. I leveraged the democratic power of the Internet and launched an educational campaign. I wrote letters to the editor. I started collecting position statements from candidates seeking election and posted them to the LSA website. I employed social media to spread the message and increase the buzz. I can be persuasive, but I didn't need to twist many arms. When people looked past the hair and listened... The facts told the story. I had public awareness and a growing support from the public and expanding group of candidates. It was now time to take it to those elected to represent us. On a sunny Monday afternoon in August, when most kids would have preferred to be out skateboarding, we packed council chambers before the call to order even came. It was standing room only, and you could feel the anticipation in the air. Many of you probably saw the outcome on the front pages of the Herald, the Journal, or the Sun-Times, or watched it on local TV, or heard about it on the radio. After remarking that they couldn't recall seeing a larger crowd for a regular meeting and following a lengthy question-and-answer session, Council voted unanimously to send the matter to administration to explore possible locations, to establish a budget, and to find some money to pay for it. Before doing so, They did tell us we were just a bit too late. There was no money available. If only we'd come sooner. If only we'd made the city aware of the issue sooner, then maybe it could have been included in the capital improvement plan. If only indeed. 
If only the members of administration had brought it forward and told the city what the LSA had been telling them for over a year previously. If only the recreation and culture master plan had been followed. Without the lessons of the past fresh in our minds, it would have been easy to feel contented at this point. Mission accomplished. Time to sit back, have faith in the system, and look forward to a day when a new skateboard park would appear. I knew the history, though. I had learned of the injustice. The dashed hopes of an 11-year-old shook me to my core. Those children were now men. The proposed location of their dream for a place to play sat empty. Nearly a decade had passed. A new park wouldn't give them their youth back, but it would surely give a place for today's youth to play. This was not the time to take my foot off the gas. However, nothing could have prepared me for the collision with the brick wall of administration. On August 24th, the LSA had its only meeting with administration and was completely flabbergasted when we were told that we would need to present funds of $7,500 to $15,000 on a one-to-one -one basis for a consultant to assist with the planning process. You might recognize this from the movies. It's the good cop, bad cop routine. Administration, pardon me, council was on record as the good cop, publicly declaring support, but had left administration to do the dirty work behind closed doors. Let's be frank and honest. Asking a group of mostly teenagers for thousands of dollars for a park that is only a possibility is a brush off. Pure and simple. Actually, let's just stop here for a second and conduct a little experiment. Panago Pizza has provided these coupons to the LSA. They're $10 each, and 100% of the proceeds go towards the LSA and the quest for a new skateboard park. Now, who would like to buy one? Thank you. Kind donor, your support is... Oh, no, just hang on a second. I've been informed that 100% of the proceeds will go towards a report written by a consultant telling us something we already know that no one will read about a project that might never happen. But like I was saying, thank you for your support. A letter to our supporters. October 2017. Dear donors... Thank you for your generous support. Your continued contribution of bureaucracy is appreciated. I write today requesting some additional funding. It seems the money the city promised us for a new park has fallen through, something about the replacement ABCP notes not being worth what they thought. <laughs> In all seriousness, folks, that's not to say that we won't help. A study by the city in 2001 said that 3% of the cost of a park was generally funded by a user group at that time. My research of parks built in the last few years shows that that number is low. Most municipalities are building skateboard parks without any onus on the user group. This, of course, is true of hockey rinks, soccer fields, ball diamonds, and playgrounds. Why should skateboard parks be any different? We are willing to help out. We have secured some corporate contributions and are actively organizing fundraising activities. Those Panago coupons you can find in the lobby from an LSA volunteer after this presentation and your support would be greatly appreciated. I've written a letter to the current council outlining these concerns and requesting that the city allocate $100,000 for planning to establish a public committee and to further allocate funds for construction. 
This letter was not included at Monday's council meeting. They will inform myself, the public, and the media on October 6th of their decision to include or exclude this letter from the agenda. It asks many difficult and pointed questions that I believe current council should answer to. If nothing else, I believe the skateboard community deserves an apology. Whether you support new skateboard parks or vehemently oppose them, I think we can all agree that the process, and indeed the transparency of the process, is as important as the outcome. So that brings us to today. Here we stand, an election mere weeks away, and I have my hand out on behalf of the skateboard community asking, no, scratch that, I'm not asking, I'm demanding money from the public purse. This is a wrong that needs to be righted. You might be hard-pressed to guess that this is one of Canada's finest skateboard plazas. It exists in the heart of downtown Winnipeg on the site of the historic Forks, the confluence of the Assiniboine and Red Rivers, and a gathering spot for thousands of years. It blends seamlessly into the urban fabric of this progressive prairie city. It has quickly become one of Winnipeg's most celebrated public spaces, and each year over four million visitors pass through the Forks area. How many tourists see our city's skateboard park? Perhaps a better question, would we want them to see our graffiti-covered concrete hills? Modern skateboard plazas are built into the center of communities. It allows the interaction of the community and the skateboarders. Its very location is a natural deterrent to the vandalism and graffiti that plague our existing park. It encourages cross-generational interaction that society as a whole needs. Ask the senior citizens who live across the street from Tabor's skateboard plaza how they feel about it. The town of Tabor had to install several new benches as there was often no, a large crowd with no place to sit watching the kids play. Yes, the little town of Tabor has a new skateboard plaza. It is, in fact, one of the best places in Lethbridge to skateboard. It's not quite as big or quite as nice as the one in Winnipeg, but it is something the town is very proud of. That park, like ours, the one in Winnipeg, and indeed every park in the world, is free. There is no admission. The cost recovery from a municipal standpoint is 0%. Someone stood up. Sorry. Now, I'm glad that most of you are sitting down. The little town of Tabor, with a population of roughly 8,000 people, spent over $500,000 on their skateboard park. Someone stood up, took the reins, and said, This is important. We value recreational activities for our youth, so let's do this. And they did. And they did it quickly. In January of 2007, they formed a committee, and by October of the same year, shovels were in the ground. They pulled it off so quickly that Mr. Harper didn't even have time to put up a stimulus sign. <laughs> On a per capita basis, the town of Tabor outspent many larger cities, and they're not alone. Other smaller cities and towns include Swan River, Manitoba, Humboldt, Saskatchewan, Westlock, Alberta, Kimberley, B.C., and Leduc, Alberta. Leduc is home to roughly 23,000 people. It's also home to a beautiful new 23,389-square-foot skateboard plaza. The cost? Just shy of $900,000. After removing 30000 provided by the local Lions Club, the net cost of the municipality was roughly $37 per citizen. Now, how many of you are trying to multiply 37 by the population of Lethbridge? The answer is 3.2 million. 
Somebody call Winnipeg. Let them know they're going to be number two. <laughs> now, what do all of these small centers know that we here in Lethbridge don't? How come they get it and we do not? What makes Lethbridge different? Hang on a second here. I see more people trying to do some math. Our current park, it costs 400000 but remember, only 90000 of this came from the city coffers. Hmm. I guess maybe they weren't trying to do the math. They'd just forgotten what the city's portion was. The math is simple. Even my eight-year-old son could do it. In Leduc, they have more than one square foot of plaza per capita, but here in Lethbridge, we have only one dollar of graffiti-covered concrete hills per capita. Suddenly, my demands of $500,000 don't seem so outrageous. With contributions from the province, some fundraising to ensure ownership and to engage the youth in the process, coupled with some corporate support, Lethbridge, too, will have a new skateboard plaza that it can be proud of. We do need two, of course, one for the west, the largest and fastest-growing part of the city, and another in a central location on the east side. The river is a formidable barrier. The kids in 2001 recognized this, but administration and council of the day did not. Some of those people are seeking re-election. Some of those members of administration are still there, too. I don't blame them. I'm not here to point fingers. I understand that perhaps in the past the message wasn't loudly heard. Many stronger and more organized voices came, have, may have drowned the moat. But I think it's safe to say that our voice has been heard this time. The new plazas will be a place for the young and the young at heart alike. The inclusive nature of, skate, of the skateboard culture will encourage personal growth, the setting of goals, and the overcoming of obstacles. It will permit free play, creativity, social interaction, and physical fitness. The new skateboard plazas will also be one final thing. They will be a reality. Quite simply, we won't go away until they are. I'd like to thank SACPA, uh, Kim, Canute, and Lisa for providing the opportunity for me today to present the case to you. Thank you.